Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Malachi. The Old Testament book of Malachi and Malachi chapter number three. Malachi chapter number three. If you're looking for the book of Malachi, it is the last book of the Old Testament. So if you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that section, turn back the other direction and you'll run right into Malachi. Malachi chapter number three. We're continuing with our Sunday school series of, of <coughs> truths that every Christian needs to know. And there are certain truths that every Christian needs to know. And uh, things that need to be nailed down, things that they need to be understood so that way we can have God work in our lives. And today we find our way to the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi chapter number three. And if you don't mind, Malachi chapter number three, and notice with me in um, verse number eight, Malachi chapter three and verse eight, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And if you don't mind, maybe you would like to do something different as we mark our Bibles today. Notice with me in verse number 10, where it says, bring ye the tithes. And then underline that phrase, and then underline another phrase, pour out a blessing. And maybe you want to draw a line to that phrase, bring ye in the tithes, and then pour out a blessing. Bringing in the tithes and pour out a blessing. And with the Lord's help, I want to hit something special that every Christian needs to know. Is that giving is the golden key to God's blessing. If you could somehow find the warehouse of God's blessing. If you could find the place where all of God's blessings are stored. And then you find it and said it has a lock. Because all good stuff that's valuable has a lock. And if someone gave you the key... To open that up. Wouldn't you want that key? Wouldn't that be an amazing key? Wouldn't that be a key that would be very useful within your life to open up this warehouse of God's blessings? Where do we get the key? What is the key? Well, giving is the key to God's blessings. Some people need God's blessings on their life. And remember, God's blessings is just not financial. There's all kinds of things with God's blessings we'll cover in a second. But we have to understand where the key is. Because if we're going to live the victorious Christian life, we must have God's blessings. So with that, we come to the principle that giving is the golden key to God's blessing. 
Well, as we come up to this, this principle, may I go ahead and just describe some groundwork? Let's start with the idea of ownership. Who created the world? You speak with me. I'm going to be very interactive today. Who made the world? So because he made the world, who owns it? Does God have every right to do with what he wants? Good. So the Bible speaks about that, that God owns everything. That means we own how much? Nothing. God owns it all. He's the boss. We are just stewards of what God has given to us. What's a steward? Anybody remember what a steward is? Yes? A keeper. That's good. A keeper. Someone who's responsible, responsible for someone else's goods. So God owns it all. We don't. We are just stewards. That means as a steward, you are supposed to do whatever the owner wants you to do. Does that make sense? Now, as a reminder, let's think about what God owns. He owns all, all of the world. Do you know what else he owns? He owns us. Especially if you're a Christian. How do you become a Christian? You realize that you're a sinner and because of your sin that you've offended a holy, righteous God and you deserve hell. But God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you and you personally accepted Christ as your savior. When you accept Jesus as your savior, you also realize another fact that Jesus bought you with what? How did he buy you? With his blood. So not only did God create us and then he owns us, but he has also purchased us with his blood. That means he owns us twice. That's quite a bit, huh? So if we are his twice, he created us and then he bought us, doesn't he have every right to tell us what to do because we're his? Does that make sense? It does. It does. Do you know the Bible goes on? The Bible talks about in Psalm 50 and verse 10, guess what God owns? He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns everything. He owns every cattle. He owns every hill. My pastor says he even owns the taters underneath the hills. He owns it all. He owns the world. Do you know in the book of Ezekiel, you know what God says? God owns the silver and he owns the gold. God owns all the wealth of the world. He has all the money. He owns it all. It is his. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 10, we see the idea that all the silver and gold belongs to him. Everything, God owns everything. So we start with the principle that we own nothing, that God owns everything. That's where we have to start off with. It all begins with God. But we want God's blessing. So how is it that we can get this key that would open up God's blessing. Well, that brings us to Malachi, where we're at currently. And what we're going to see is that there's actually three levels of what we would call giving. Three, three um, levels to start off with. So let's start at the ground floor. Let's start off at this basic level. Notice with me in the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 8 again. And we come to the first level called tithing. Called tithing. Notice with me in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. It starts off with a statement, Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Now that's some pretty strong language. How would you like for God to look at you right in your beady eyeballs and said, You robbed me. That's pretty bad, huh? Let me ask you this question. What is the difference between stealing and robbing? 
Now, they're similar terms, but what's the difference between stealing and robbing? Anybody want to venture a guess? Mr. Josh. That's very good. That's exactly right. Stealing has the idea that it's subtle. You're doing it so no one sees you. Robbing carries the idea where you're blatantly, I don't care, I'm taking it. Does that make sense? Very good. So God says, you're not being subtle about it. You are outright in front of my face taking it and say, I don't care, it's mine. You're taking it away from God while he's looking at you. That's pretty awful, isn't it? God says, ye... Will a man rob God? Ye have said, <laughs> yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God says, let me tell you where. Tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Well, that sounds pretty bad too. Because we robbed God, because we did not honor him with the tithes, God says, guess what? You are cursed. Well, that's the opposite of blessing. That's the opposite of what we want, right? So, it says, even this whole nation. Then it says, bring ye the tithes into the storehouse. So, if we're going to cover the idea of tithing, we have to understand what is he talking about. Does that mean that just whenever the offering plate comes in, that we're supposed to put something to the plate? Is that tithing? Is it the idea that whatever is in my purse or in my wallet, I just give that to God? What is the idea of tithing? Who knows what the definition of tithing is? But let's go with it. 10%. 10%. Exactly. So the idea of a tithe is 10%. I guess I don't have to rewrite percent. 10%. All right. So let's do basic math, okay? Let's just say that God gives you $100. $100. What is the tithe? How do I calculate 10%? $10. How do I get that? Divide it by 10. Or if you like decimals, you move the decimal place over, right? Does it go to the left or to the right? To the left. So you move the decimal place over there, and that's the 10%. So my tithe of $100 is $10. That's basic math, right? What if God gave me $875? What is my tithe? Good. We move the decimal place over. 87.50. Now, I don't believe in tipping God. Might as well round that up just to be even, right? 90. That's easy, right? Good, just to be even. But that's, that's the idea of, of tithing. But I want you to notice the language here. Notice with me in verse number 10. What is the first word in verse number 10? bring. Does it say give? It says bring. Why doesn't it say give? Anyone want to make a guess? Why doesn't it say give me the tithe? It's already his. It's already his. Now we already covered the idea that God owns everything, right? Now some people make the mistake of this. <laughs> some people say that we are supposed to bring the tithe to God. All right? So they carry the principle of bringing the tithe to God. <laughs> when in fact, we need to bring God 
the tithe. Now that sounds like semantics, but it is a little bit of a thing. Bring the tithe to God brings the idea that we have the money and we bring it to God. If we bring God the tithe, that means it's his already. What we do is that we bring the tithe to God. He gives us the 90%. Does that make sense? You don't bring God the 10%. He gives you the 90% as you worship him. Does that make sense? He's the one who blesses you with the 90%. By the way, you could live better off of the 90% than what you could live with 100%. It's his in the first place. You aren't giving anything when you bring the tithe. You are just giving what is his. Why he said, I want you to give this share to me and I'll give you the 90%. Now that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? He owns it all, but he says, here, you just bring me the 10. I'll give you the 90% so you could do, use that to pay your bills. Does that make sense? That's just basic things. The 10% is already his. The Bible talks about in the book of Leviticus that the tithe is holy. Why is the tithe holy? Exactly right. The tithe is holy because it is God's. It belongs to God. It is his. And so you shouldn't mess with the tithe because it's holy. It's out of worship to him. Now, we're going to practicalities. Notice, if you don't mind, we're in verse 10 where we're supposed to bring the tithe. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. So here it gives us where we're supposed to bring the tithe. You know, there's some people who don't realize where they're supposed to bring the tithe. I heard of a man who um, said he kept his tithe in a tin can. And whenever he found a, a ministry he liked, he'd give them what was in the can. Well, is that what we're supposed to do? The Bible says we're supposed to bring it to somewhere. Where are we supposed to bring it according to this verse, the exact words? The storehouse. So don't we need to figure out where the storehouse is? Does that make sense? Well, hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians 16. We're going to head back to Malachi in a second, but I want to establish very clearly where is the storehouse during this time. Notice with me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and notice with me starting at verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as of given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week. What's the first day of the week, by the way? Sunday. Very good. So on the first day of the week, Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in, what's the next word? Store. So on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, they're supposed to bring it to the store. Who's he addressing here in verse 1? The churches. The church. So where are you supposed to bring your tithe? To church and give it to the church. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, you know, show me the rock so that way I can try to make it make sense. So your 10%, you are to bring it to God or bring God the 10% and you're supposed to bring it to his storehouse where he will store it and use it for his, what he wants it to be done. 
but you are supposed to bring it to the storehouse. Again, you haven't given anything because the 10% was never yours. Does it make sense? You haven't given anything. You are bringing what is already God's and you're bringing it to the place where he wants you to bring it, which is the church. Does it make sense so far? All right, building up a principle. But you know what happens when we tithe? Even though we haven't given yet, you know what God said? That if you honor me with a tithe, it's already mine, but you are good stewards and you give the tithe or you bring the tithe, you haven't given anything yet. God says, I still will do three things for you. You know, we could see the key starting to unlock. Notice what God promised he would do with us if we honored him with a tithe. Notice with me in verse 10. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. I'll get to the proving, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will be not enough room to, destroy, uh, to, to receive it. Do you know that God has blessings that he has in store for us. He has blessings for us. He wants to give to us. Now, it's not necessarily money, all right? He can give you money, but there's other ways of blessing. Did you know that in the children of Israel's day, it talks about that their shoes never wore out? Do you know that God can make your clothes last longer? Aren't clothes expensive? Isn't it wonderful that God can spread it out? He can make your tires last longer. He could supply for you that instead of you buy the shoes, maybe someone else is nice to buy you shoes for you and take care of you. Maybe he extends your health. There's all kinds of ways that God has put the blessings out for you. That's not necessarily financial. Hey, if you're trying to um, labor and you're working a job and you work a job to pay the bills and all that other stuff, don't you need health? Isn't it hard to do your job if you don't have health? Isn't it a blessing of God to allow you to have a certain amount of health? Absolutely. And so God said he'll pour out his blessings. And the closer you get with him, the more that you see his blessings. But notice there's a second thing here. He says, bring ye the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing that there should not be enough room to receive it. Notice the second thing, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Who's the devourer? Satan. You know what God said? He said, I'll keep Satan away from you. You understand that there is a spiritual war. We have three enemies in the spiritual war. Who are the, who are the three enemies that we have? The, wor- uh, the devil, the flesh, and the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Do you know that God can give us protection or he can give us strength for spiritual victory inside of this world because we tithe? Do you know that we don't have enough strength to defeat Satan on our own? You know, we don't even have enough strength to defeat our flesh on our own. You know that as we tithe with a cheerful heart, worshiping God, that God can do something and help us to give victory in our life. But if we refuse to honor God with the tithe, that we could lose some spiritual victories because he's withhold his blessing, because we're cursed with a curse. Does it make sense? God's pretty serious about this. So he said, I'll open up the windows of the blessing. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Notice the third thing. In verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. 
neither cast your vine by the her fruit by the time of the field, saith the Lord. Second or third thing is that he'll protect the fruits of our life. He'll protect the fruits of our life. Now, what's some of the most precious fruit a person could have? Children. Do you know that we need God's protection on our children? And do you know that God can protect our children when we cannot? If we honor God with the tithe? Doesn't some of our children need lots of protection? Even sometimes from themselves? Absolutely. You know how we could get God? <laughs> where, or not get God. Where God promised if we honored him. He could help protect even some of our children. But it deals with a hard attitude. Because it's a worship thing with God. Does that make sense? This is a big deal. Now go back and I want to show you this. Go back to verse 10. Bring ye the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be meat in the house and prove me now herewith. If you want to use today's language, I double dog dare you. Do you know that God's put a challenge? Put the gauntlet down. He says, I double dog dare you to prove me. Prove me and see if it doesn't work. You know that this is one way that we could clearly prove that there is a God on the throne? Prove me. Prove me. You bring me the tithe in the storehouse and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. You see if I don't rebuke the devourer for your sake. You see if I don't protect the fruit, the, what you work hard for, whether it's your children or other things that you work hard for that it just doesn't blow away. Prove me. I double dog dare you. I put the challenge down. Now, again, we understand that it carries the idea of consistency. If you're going to say, well, I'm going to put, try God once, and then you don't try him again. You haven't really proved God. Make sense? But do you know that God promised this? My father-in-law is a pastor for about 45 years. And he has a lady in his area that hates him and hates the church. Absolutely hates him. But every month, she sends the tithe to the church. Now, she doesn't show up. She sends the tithe. And the people around her say, all I hear is you talk bad about that preacher. And you talk about how much you hate the church. Why in the world would you give money to them? She goes, because every time I tithe, God blesses it. Do you know that God promised to bless the tithe? Even with evil people? Because they're still, because this is a principle. This is why he said, I double dog dare you. Prove me wrong. See if it doesn't happen. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? And again, the closer you get with God, the more that you understand some of the blessings that he has for you and what God truly has done for you. You know, you can live better off of the 90% in God's blessing than you ever could with 100% without God's blessing. But we understand the key to open up God's blessing is, is giving. Now, with the tithe, have we given yet? We have not because the tithe isn't ours. It's God's, right? We bring God the tithe, and what does he do? He gives us the 90%. Giving comes from our part, not from God's part. All right? So you can't say, well, I'm going to take God's 10%, and I'm going to divide it up, and I'm going to give it here, and here, and here, and here, and here, because it's not yours to give. Does that make sense? That's God's business to say what he's going to do with the tithe. Giving comes from your part. So let's come to the second level. The first part is just we're not giving. We're bringing the tithe. However, God promises blessings on it. 
Let us see the second part, if you don't mind. The second part is giving. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the gospel record of Luke, chapter number 6. The gospel record of Luke, chapter number 6. We're trying to understand what the Bible has to say concerning this. Because this is a truth that every Christian needs to know. Every Christian needs to be able to know how to get God's blessings. Now, it's not the idea that if you give a dollar that God will give you $10. No, you're giving because of who God is. As a side effect, the goal should not be to get stuff back from him. The goal is to worship God because he owns it all and you're acknowledging who God is. But as a side effect, because you honor God with a tithe, he turns around and opens up blessings for you. That's wonderful, isn't it? But now we come to the second level. Notice with me in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and notice with me in verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give. All right, now we have the word give. What was the word that we saw for tithe? Bring. Now we see give. Now the give comes from what part? The 90%. Us, our part, right? It doesn't come from God's part. It comes from his part. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Now, we don't use that word measure often. What is a measure? Anyone want to throw a thing? Let's say that you're going to bake something. You're going to have a measure of flour, right? Does that make sense? It, it carries the idea that there's a measurement, okay? So notice this. Imagine this. So given to you in good measure... When it talks about good measure, where does your mind think about? So let's just say that we've got a measuring cup, okay? And I want to have a good measure of a substance. Let's say flour, okay? I want a good measure of flour. What, where is the, uh, the flour at in the, uh, in the measuring cup? Uh, all right, so good, good. So where, where is the idea of the measure at? Very good. Very good. So when you have an idea of a good measure, you could almost see that it's <laughs> good measure, okay? But notice this. It doesn't just stop at good measure. Notice this. It says, give and it should be given unto you good measure, pressed down, all right? So flour is a pretty dense substance, but did you know you could press it down? So let's imagine that we have flour. If I pressed it down, what happens? It gets packed in. Now because it's packed in, I now have room for more. So not just good measure, but also pressed down. All right, I need to get more in there. So let's squeeze it down so I can put more in there. Notice this. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. What happens when you take like a powdery substance and you shake it together? It settles down even more, fills in the holes, right? So if you take flour and you take a cup of flour, you could try it at home and shake it. What happens? It kind of settles down more. So I press it down and then it's shaken so that it fills up. And then guess what happens? Then shaken down and running over and running over. So here we take a measuring cup. We give and God gives back to us with a measuring cup. That is good measure, then pressed down, shaken, and then running over. So he takes the good measure, 
presses it down, shakes it, squeezes it down as much as he can. Then he pours more on that. That's a pretty good visual, isn't it? That sounds wonderful. Then notice this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Notice this. Shall men give into your bosom. Do you know what God does? Is he uses other people to be a blessing to you. He uses other men, other people to be a blessing to you. You know, God knows how to take care of us. God knows how to use other people to be a blessing. Not that we're asking, hey, I need you to give me something. But God sends them by to help take care of us in our times of need. What a wonderful God. Because God uses human instrumentality. He doesn't automatically make a, a money tree grow in your backyard. Okay? It doesn't happen that way. But he does use men, other people, to help supply and take care of you. And you weren't expecting it. What a wonderful God. He does that over and over and over. Now, does this come with a tithe? No. No. This comes when you give from your part, from the 90%. And notice again what it says. It's a direct proportion. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall men give to your wisdom. For with the same measure that you meted out shall you be measured to you again. All right. So it says with the same measure. All right. So here we go. If I say, all right, I've given the tithe, but I guess I have to give to this other project, fine. And you give begrudgingly. How are you going to get it back? With the same measure. Fine. I see that you have a need here. Go ahead and take it. Does it make sense? If you're stingy with God, guess what's going to happen as a return? The same measure. If you give joyfully and abundantly, guess what's going to give back to you? Does it make sense? With the same measure. Now, to, op to the tithe, God made promises. If you're going to honor God with the tithe and worship him. But this is above and beyond the tithe. This is from your 90% that you give. This is from your part. And God says, it's up to you. It's up to you. You do whatever you want with the 90%. If you just be stingy with me, I'll give you just a little bit back. If you're joyful about it, I'll take care of you. Let me tell you, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Now, we understand there is the principle of being responsible for your bills. You are being very foolish. You say, I can't outgive God. And then your next paycheck, instead of paying your house at you <laughs> up there. But I'm still talking about that you could prove God. And watch God work. Let me tell you, you could never outgive God. I know there's people in here who could stand up and give testimonies about how God is taking care of you and God has used other people to take care of you. And you know, it was God that sent them, that God did it. But it carries the idea with the same measure that we made it out, it should be returned unto you. But this is from our 90%. Does it make sense? Now, do you want God's blessing? You can. Remember, giving is the key. The key that opens up God's blessing. To open up that storehouse. God said he want that. Now, he says it's up to you. 
This is your choice. The tithe is not your choice. That's God's. From your 90%, you can do what you want. But I'm encouraging you to give. And I'll take care of you. You can't outgive God. You can't. You can't outgive God. God will take care of you. He promised. He is a debtor to no man. You can never say, hey, God, remember when I loaned you $100? Can I get it back? He's a debtor to no man. He'll make sure that you have it back in a different way. The equivalent, uh, he'll, you know, we're not just talking about monetary things, but he's able to supply and able to take care and do things that, that above and beyond. He's just that good of a God. But there's also a third level of giving. The first is the tithe, which we don't give, we bring, because it's not ours, it is God's. The giving comes from what part? The 90%, our part. And God said it's a proportion, a direct proportion. How you give is how you get it back. And again, it's not just money, but you need God's blessing in other ways. And God will take care of you. He promised it. And then the third one we find in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's talking about a church who was giving to the Apostle Paul for the purpose of missions and supporting God's missionary projects around the world. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Notice with me in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. All right, verse number two. Are these rich people or not? No. Okay, they're not. How do we know? It says they have poverty. But not just poverty. What kind of poverty? Deep poverty. What does deep poverty mean? They're poor. I meant they are very poor. Do they have extra? No. Are these people that are struggling to survive day after day? Do some of you feel like you're trying to struggle from day to day? All right. So here's an example for you. Here is a group of people that are not rich. They have deep poverty. But yet in the midst of their deep poverty, notice with me in verse 3. For to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power. They were willing of themselves. So it says they didn't give to their ability they were able to give. They gave beyond their ability. What does this mean? It means their bills didn't work out on paper. They said, hey, you know what? I want to worship the Lord and I want to take care of God's stuff. And I'm giving and it doesn't work out on paper. On paper, it looks like something needs to fall. And it doesn't work out. But they gave anyways to beyond their power. Notice if you don't mind, verse 14 or 4. Praying with us that in much entreaty, we would take the gift and take upon the fellowship of the ministry and the saints. Now, the apostle Paul knew them and he knew that they were poor. And you know what they did? They got so burdened. They said, God wants us to give you this money, Paul. Paul, we want to give you this. And he gave it to them. And he, he was almost like, I know how poor you are. 
Why are you giving this? I know you guys need this. No, this is what God wants us to do. You take it. We're going to trust that God will take care of our part. But we're giving beyond our ability. Verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but at first gave their own selves to the Lord. So here's the thing. They started by giving themselves to God. God, whatever you would have us to do, I'll do that. They surrendered themselves to God first. God, we are yours. We're your instruments. I want to be used of you. Then notice this, that they gave to their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So God, we first surrender ourselves to you. That we're your servants, we're your stewards, you tell us what to do. And then when you tell us what to do, we'll be obedient to it. They had an idea that they were obedient. No one had to twist their arm. No one forced them to give to missions. No one forced them to give above and beyond. This is called sacrificial giving. This is giving above and beyond their means. That God took care of them. Notice as it goes on. Insomuch that we desired Titus, verse 6, as he began, so he also would finish with you in the same grace. Therefore ye being abounded in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence that is in your love towards us, that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not a commandment, but of occasion of the forwardness of others to prove your sincerity of your love. And then he goes on and explains that I don't want to, uh, I'm not doing this to get money from you. I'm trying to get you God's blessings. Note with me, with me 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So continuing with the same context. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse um, number uh, chapter 9 verse 6. But I say this unto you that he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully should also reap bountifully. Didn't we just cover that in Luke chapter 6? Notice verse 7. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loved a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in everything may abound to every good work. You know what is happening here? That the churches of Macedonia said, we're poor we can't afford it. It doesn't make up on paper. But we believe that God wants us to give it to you. And so we're glad to give it to you. Palms open. When I talk about palms open, that means anything I have in my hand, God can choose. You know? It's not like, it's mine, it's mine, and God has to pry it open. We willingly say, God, it's all yours. You take whatever you want. And they had the idea that even though it doesn't work on a paper, we're going to Expect God to supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That we're expecting God to take care of us. That God will fill in the gaps. It doesn't work on a paper, but God will fill in the gaps. This is the third level. It's cheerful giving. Sacrificial giving. Giving that it doesn't work on a paper, but you know that this is something you need to do and you give it anyways. And you watch as God supplies the lack. You say, how in the world are the bills getting paid? I have no clue, but God does it every time. You say, well, this isn't how it matches our financial seminar. It's not going to. That's why it shows that it's of God. Because God works it out. What a wonderful God. And so we see here the three levels of giving. Tithe, which is not giving, it is bringing, right? The giving comes from the 
the faith promise comes from, it doesn't work on, on bills, but I believe this is what the Lord had had me to do to accomplish his projects. So I'm going to give it and ex expect that God fills in the holes. And God works. And God works. Does that make sense? Now, let me quickly review with a question. Did, before Jesus started his public ministry as a preacher, did Jesus work? He did. What did he do as a job? What did he do for employment for most of his adult life? He was a carpenter. Did he make money? Are you sure? You run a business. Don't you need money? All right. Did he make money? Yes. <laughs> All right. Good. He made money. Yeah. Everyone, we live in this world. You don't survive. You work, you get paid. That's principle, right? A carpenter's not going to be able to make wood or anything else. All right. Good. Let me ask you another question. Did Jesus tithe? He did. Because wasn't that uh, given as a commandment in the Old Testament? Yes. Do you know that the, um, the Bible talks about Jesus, that he never sinned? And that even the chief priest in them recognized he didn't sin. Do you know that if Jesus didn't tithe, don't you think they'd be the first one to say, listen, he didn't tithe. We have the records. Don't you think they would be the first ones on that? Yes. So did Jesus tithe? Yes. The Bible says he came to fulfill all things of the law. So Jesus was our perfect example, wasn't he? He was. He was. Now, let me ask you this. Did Jesus give? Absolutely. He did. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus give sacrificially? Absolutely. At the cross of Calvary, he gave it all. Where he died on the cross. And that he rose again for us. He died for us. And he gave it to us as an example. Now, we have promises of God. God just doesn't say, give it to me because I deserve it. Though he's within his rights to do so. But he didn't do that. He said for tithing, if you tithe and honor me with a tithe, you bring the tithe. You don't give the tithe because the tithe is holy. It's not yours. But you bring God the tithe. He gives you 90%. If you look at it that way, that's pretty amazing. He gives us the 90%. And then he promises that we honor with the tithe that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. He promised he'd rebuke the devourer for our sake to help us with the spiritual warfares and see victory. Then he would protect the fruit, which may include our children, but also with other things in our life. Wouldn't you hate to work all of your life and it all blow away and nothing to stand for it? Nothing left behind? That'd be horrible. But he said he would protect your fruit. But that's just if you honor him with the tithe. You don't start giving the giving comes out of where? 90%. So the second level is giving from the 90%. And he said, hey, with the same measure that you meted out, it should be given to you, right? So if you reap, or if you sow sparingly, you shall reap sparingly. If you, if you reap begrudgingly, or sow begrudgingly, you're going to reap begrudgingly. If you're stingy with God, he's going to be? Does it make sense? If you cheerfully give to God, he will. Does that make sense? Direct proportion. 
Then we come to faith promise giving. Faith promise is sacrificial giving. It's when it doesn't line up. I can't afford to give it, but I'm going to give it anyways because this is what I believe God told me to do, and I give. Does that make sense? So this is above and beyond the tithes. Now, as a practicality, someone says, what does God do with all this money? Does he just keep it in the back? Is God getting rich? Well, remember that God doesn't need your money. But he does use human instrumentality to supply his works. For these two tithes and giving, tithes and offerings, he uses to finance the church. For example, as much as we talked to, <laughs> I would like, we talked about Jesus, he, he, when he worked, he earned money, right? As much as we like the idea that we didn't have to have money, don't we as a church need money? What type of things do we need money for? Electricity. Electricity's nice. Heat's nice. Gas is nice, right? Then we have some different things here. We have internet so that we could live stream and record computers. Missionaries, uh, missionaries will be faith promised, but we're getting up there. But we're talking about to take care of the things here in this building. Paying the preacher is sometimes nice, right? To be able to, to take care of the things within the church. That is done by these two levels. Faith promise giving is sacrificial giving. And it is giving above and beyond the tithe. It's giving where it doesn't make sense. But that is used for projects outside of the church. Does that make sense? So these two levels are to take care of the things within the church. Faith promises to take care of those things that are <coughs> outside of the church. Missionary projects. Uh, supplying Bibles to go out to missionaries. Those are good things. But they go above and beyond the tithe. Does that make sense? So we're saying, where does the money go to? It just doesn't get put in a storehouse somewhere and you open it up and you have a bank vault. It all gets used for God's purposes. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.